Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. How are we doing today? Thank you for tuning in as always and we've made it. We've made it to the end of the 2020 F1 season. You know, who would have thought back in March it would have been the case and everything, but you know, we got the 17 races in. We had our world championship, or you know, lack thereof, depending on which way you see it. But yeah, you know, Lewis Hamilton, officially 2020 F1 world champion, he's seven-time world champion now, equals the great Michael Schumacher and of course Mercedes also taking seven in a row, which, you know, never been done before by a single constructor. So it's been an unprecedented year in many respects and the time will come, I think, um, in a few days' time when I'll do a proper reflection podcast and everything. It's been a bit crazy, as you can imagine, heading into this time of year and just trying to tie up some loose ends as well um, prior to going on a well-earned little break. But I hope everyone's doing okay um, wherever you are in the world. Shout out to the people in the UK at the moment um, with some more lockdown stuff going on over there, COVID-related, you know, thought we would be past this by now but um it's it's pretty devastating and um disappointing to hear that it's uh no different the situation there at the moment but yeah um again you know going back to the season finishing the season just can't express how grateful I am that we've made it to the end and we've had the 17 races that we've had all year you know especially when you go through comments and people complaining about oh, the racing is this and that, it's bad, uh, uh, you know, Hamilton's not deserved. Um, it just kind of then, you know, you just feel not, I don't feel sorry for these people, but it's just, why are you so, un- like, just be grateful that we had something to watch this year, we had some racing because, you know, so much, wor- you know, worse things have happened than, you know, Lewis Hamilton taking a seventh world title or, you know, the lack of competition between, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari and against Mercedes and everything. You know, we've still had an incredible battle in the midfield, which was wrapped up this weekend, the battle for third in the Constructors' Championship, which that opportunity doesn't come willy-nilly. And, you know, we can't forget that it came because Ferrari dropped the ball. So it's a big result to McLaren. Congratulations. I had to get it off my chest. (laughs) Um, I was so happy at the end of uh, the race Monday morning here that McLaren had sealed third in the Constructors' Championship, the best result for them since 2012. Of course, a couple of podiums this year. And it was that consistency, that consistency I was talking about all year, where you'd have both drivers constantly scoring points, not with the fastest car in that little battle. You know, sometimes they've looked like they've been far from, um, you know, having the third fastest car on the grid, but, you know, they've they've just managed to do it, and it's really good to see. So, anyway, going over the race then, um, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, processional race, fair to say, you know, if, uh, without understating it. Um, to end the season, a bit disappointing in that respect and, you know, a lot of feedback, of course, and just anger from the public about, you know, the circuit again, the venue or this and that, you know, the cars, they're not fit for overtaking, etc. I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, something obviously has to change and it's not going to be, Yas Marina is not going to be dropped as a venue, let's face that, you know, it's, um, they put up a lot of money for the event, money that Formula One 
um, can, you know, always needs to do with, or, you know, they always need, you know, who doesn't like a bit of extra money. Um, it's, it pulls in a crowd every time it's on, you know, so even though you have your keyboard people tapping away saying it's a, it's a terrible race, it should be dropped or whatever, you should look at the grandstands every time you go and the demographic of the people in the grandstands. A lot of them are European fans, especially ones from the UK that fly over to uh, watch it. So, And that's you know certainly what I experienced when I went there in 2014 um, and just every year after you see the kind of people who you follow on social media who, who are there and everything. It's, it's kind of that demographic. So I feel like there's a bit of a hypocrisy there too. You know, I know you're spending your money to go watch a good race and everything, but sometimes I think the whole weekend experience kind of counts more than just the race itself. Um, especially if you're there, you you know, you'd go and do other things as well. But, you know, a nice race would be good too. So, you know, I think a possible thing that may happen is they look at some alternative layouts for the track, of course, we saw that with Bahrain this year, adding that second race, uh, the Sakia Grand Prix, using the outer loop circuit. And Abu Dhabi's got, you know, like a million different variants. So I'm sure they could trial something and see how it goes. It wouldn't be a bad idea, that's for sure. So maybe that's something for them to look at in the future. But anyway, no wolf like the present and... You've got Max Verstappen, who won the race from pole position. A rare display, I guess you got to say, considering Mercedes have claimed every pole position, or a Mercedes-powered car, if you remember Lance Stroll taking pole in Turkey. Uh, Mercedes-powered car has taken pole at every race this year, except for Abu Dhabi. Mercedes, I guess, you know, a combination of them turning down their MGUKs this weekend as well meant that they were kind of just off it. You know, they had a bit of balance problems, you know, a bit of understeer on those cars at the front end. And also Lewis Hamilton, who came back after missing a race with COVID positive test and everything, and he actually was showing symptoms and he was actually sick from what we hear. So he was carrying a bit of a COVID hangover, you got to say, feeling the effects. Um, his demeanor all weekend was very down, seemed pretty lethargic. And just the way he was speaking as well, you could tell something was off. So, and you know, the same was said about Stroll, believe it or not, after he missed the Eiffel Grand Prix and came back for um, the the Emilia-Romagna race there at Imola. So, or I think it was per Portugal that came after that. <clears throat> I can't remember now. It feels like so long ago. But um, yeah, Hamilton still finished third in the race. You know, he started third, finished there. Was a bit unhappy with the Mercedes strategy call when they had to pit under the safety car early on. Both cars came in at the same time and of course Bottas was ahead so he gets the priority but you know that's pretty much it. You know Mercedes still finished second and third. Bottas back on the podium after four races off it. You know it was kind of weird that you know that was a that became a statistic but you know that's how Bottas's form has been this year and even this weekend when you know his teammates still suffering from, from COVID side effects or whatever, still recovering. Um, it was a Red Bull that came, went out and won. So, you know, I think Valtteri probably wouldn't, you know, couldn't have waited um, long enough for the season to end. Now he can go home, he can recover, he can see family, whatever, spend time with his partner and just reset for next year because, you know, it seems likely, even though I knew it would be, <laughs> 
likely he would be on the grid next year at Mercedes. He's got that contract in his pocket. Toto Wolff's not the kind of guy who's going to turn around and tear up a contract or anything like that. So, you know, next year is kind of win or bust for Valtteri. He's got to come out and do a really good job to make sure he's going to be there in 22 because if, um, you know, Hamilton signs on for two more years... Mercedes are not going to wait until another year after that to bring in George Russell, who, you know, finished 15th this weekend. He ended up back in the in the Williams, of course, at the 11th hour once Hamilton came back uh, to for Friday practice. You know, Mercedes are not going to wait any longer with Russell after the display he put on there at Sakir. So I think, you know, 22 is the year we're going to see Russell move up to Mercedes full-time. And, you know, if it's Hamilton that's in the other card, good good for them you know it'll be great I want to see some fireworks between those two if they'll allow it at Mercedes or you know even for a single season you might see um, Russell kind of slot in as the uh, the rear gunner and then it might be you know Adios Valtteri unfortunately because um, you know it's just this year the form has been pretty dismal you know I was I was writing a piece earlier today um about just, you know, just covering some, you know, all different kind of motorsport categories this year. And I kind of liken Valtteri, you know, when he came out in the first race and won in, in Austria to the way Fabio Quattararo and MotoGP came out and dominated those two races at Hareth, you know. Um, and from there, you know, you, you thought, oh, you know, this is going to be it. This is going to be the year they're going to do it. Um, the other rivals have dropped the ball as such, but then, you know, straight after that for both guys, it came as a year of misfortunes and, you know, misadventures and everything. And at the end of the day, you know, neither was near the, the pointy end of the championship, you know, even though Valtteri secured P2, um, uh, Quattararo, for example, he dropped to like fifth or something in the standings and was nowhere near the eventual title victor, Juan Mia. And Bottas, you know, 124 points or whatever it was behind Hamilton at the drop of the flag at Abu Dhabi. So disappointing in that respect. You know, Hamilton still third on um, his return with, you know, not feeling 100% too. Max, you know, I mean, we're talking more about Mercedes and it was Max who won the race. Like, that's, I think, you know, some a taste of what's to come, you know, in the next few years, especially if Red Bull can get their act together. Max is the kind of guy, you know, he displayed... Um, that, you know, he can do those lights to flag controlling races, you know, he basically had no trouble out the front, um, he actually would have had the grand slam too, you know, pole position, fastest lap and the race win, could have been the youngest guy to do so if it wasn't for his old mate Daniel Ricciardo kind of blocking him or denying him on the last lap there, he took the fastest lap for Renault, <clears throat> scored the extra point as well because he finished in p8 i think or p7 something like that so you know that was kind of denied for max but you know a little little bit of a um a reprieve for red bull let's say given that you know it's not been the year that they wanted they just didn't start strong enough the season and then by the time you know they were kind of competitive it was already too late you know mercedes had all already skipped out to a, a big lead in the championship and you know Max had how many five DNFs this year or six DNFs you know three of them coming in the Italian races that we had too so just um a year to forget you know in that respect but two wins under his belt then 
pretty much being on the podium at every other race. I think it was a good year for Max. And it just, again, kind of teases us the the possibility of when this guy is going to get a car that's consistent enough to fight for the world championship and how is he going to is he going to be winning races like this all the time lights to flag domination or are we going to see some really close wheel-to-wheel battles between him and um, him and Hamilton or Russell or if Leclerc and Sainz can get up there with Ferrari in the coming years so you know good on Red Bull for doing getting the win good on Verstappen for getting the win as well this time we had some early drama in the race which really was the only dramas in the race and on lap 10 unfortunately there was a DNF for Sergio Perez um, had a dud transmission transmission failure on his racing point which, you know, two DNFs in three races and just really heartbreaking considering the high of, of the Sakia Grand Prix winning his first race, um, looking to go out of his racing point career in style and everything as well. And, you know, that battle for third in the Constructors' Championship was pretty much lost when when Perez retired from this race. You know, you would have thought that Lance Stroll would have taken it upon himself to to rescue the day, but that kind of didn't happen at all far from happening which I'll go into a bit detail later on but yeah Perez's retirement triggered virtual safety car and then turned into the actual safety car while all the leaders you know came in for their one stops and this is where we saw Hamilton kind of get upset with um with his team for not being able to bring him in on at a different time and everything like that but at the same time, they wanted to protect it, protect their positions. They didn't want to repeat of what happened at the Sakir Grand Prix because, um, you know, that was pretty embarrassing. And, you know, Mercedes don't make the same mistake in two races in a row. Uh, you had the likes of Ricardo, the two Ferraris, jump into the top 10 as a result of the safety car because they didn't um, stop at that time. You had Carlos Sainz, you know, who was in the thick of the battle with, you know, Lance Stroll, Pierre Gasly, all that at the time. He was kind of slow into the pits and there was an investigation that was had um, post-race rather than during the race, which was kind of um, annoying. You know, there was a lot of people who were like, you know, why don't they sort it out straight away? That was because um, they thought he might have held up or going, he was going unnecessarily slowly in the pit lane and potentially have held up Lance Stroll, you know, even though he was coming in behind his teammate Lando Norris, um, they're not allowed to drive slowly in the pit lane, you know, to try and hold anyone up. So the investigation that they had post-race, it didn't really come to anything. It was fine, um, but it was just why it got left to the end of the race. You know, you had this cloud hanging over them all race long or whatever. Um, and basically, yeah, you know, we had to wait until the end of the race or after the race to confirm that this was the result but um, nothing came of it. Charles Leclerc basically lost a host of positions once those other guys had pitted. He came out then to pit on lap 22 and went to the back of the field. Seb though his final race for Ferrari seemed a little bit more difficult to pass and this is where Lance Stroll comes into play so he was basically holed up behind Seb and just showed no sense of urgency to get past and this is a guy in a car that's well well you know beyond the Ferrari for this year quicker than the Ferrari in all departments and just couldn't get past you know and it was on him now you know to to single-handedly try and get the points needed to finish third in the Constructors' Championship but not didn't happen at all. Um, Vettel stayed ahead of course until his pit stop but then 
as a result of Seb holding up the stroll and the cars behind Gasly, Ocon and co. Uh, it was good news for Ricardo, who was able to pit and only lose a couple of positions. So when he came in, he was fifth later on and then came back in seventh. So And then for Ocon too, you know, he ended up getting uh, ninth off stroll after a last lap last lap pass as well, so double points for Renault on the day, enough for them to secure fifth in the championship, which, you know, fifth, you know, they had a couple of, three podiums all year, best season, I guess you could say, as far as results are concerned, um, since they returned as a manufacturer in 2016, but, you know, you would have expected them to make more strides up the order than to finish fifth behind McLaren and Racing Point, so, and yeah, McLaren still a customer team to Renault too, so it's a bit of an insult to injury in that respect, so, you know, you got to see what they do next year, especially with Fernando Alonso back in the car. Um, Other results, notably, you had Alex Albon, Anonymous race for him, but, you know, he qualified fifth, he finished fourth, so he was there the whole time for Red Bull, even though he's, you know, quite a while behind the guys, still, you know, solid points, you know, Lando Norris coming home to finish fifth, Carlos Sainz sixth, which, you know, those results were enough to confirm third in the constructors for McLaren, Pierre Gasly, another solid race, moving up from ninth to eighth after his qualifying, Danny Kvyat, unfortunately, qualified seventh, but went backwards to P11 ahead of the two Ferraris, so no points for them in their final race, and then crucially for Seb and his final race for them, you know, Stroll, again, just did nothing to rescue that bid for for Racing Point to finish third in the Constructors' Championship, and this is just why all year I've been kind of vocal about this, you know, Um, we're not just targeting Stroll for, for being Stroll or whatever, it's like he's just not showing that consistency, which is required, and, um, you know, McLaren, they've not had the third fastest cars at all this season, you know, maybe at one point earlier in the year, they were they were showing that sort of form, but they did not have the car to, to be up there, you know, yes, Racing Point lost 15 points or whatever as a result of that FIA investigation at the start of the year or in the middle of the year for having the illegal car, but, you know, that would not have come if, you know, they didn't have a legal car, for example. So it's just one of those things where McLaren did the right thing all season. They got the result um, on merit as well. Both drivers did an amazing job. Lando Norris, in the end, um, got the season qualifying stats, you know, in his favour, qualifying his teammate um, uh, by one race or whatever. And it's just going to be sad with, you know, Science leaving McLaren for, for Ferrari next year that, you know, this partnership has come to an end. Although equally exciting that Daniel Ricciardo will come to the team next year. But yeah, for Racing Point, you know, a kind of bit bit disappointing. And, you know, Otmar Safnauer after the race was kind of, or throughout the race was very vocal in the coverage about, you know, they should disqualify science for what he did and everything. I think that was probably just um, emotion coming out, more or less, you know, given that they were in the heat of the battle, but, you know, nothing came of the investigation, it was kind of disappointing that they had to leave it after the race to do that, as I said, but, you know, at the end of the day, McLaren, you can say congratulations to them for 
the job that they've done all season. It shows a lot about, you know, both their drivers too. Norris, of course, you know, some people probably don't take him seriously. You know, he's a joker. He, you know, shaves his head on Twitch and all that, plays Call of Duty and Fortnite. But, you know, he's a pretty handy racing driver and he's, you know, finishing top 10 in the championship this year. Uh, Carlos as well, finishing sixth in the championship, you know, only one of seven drivers to reach 100 points as well. That's you know, because of his consistency that he's uh, been able to get up there. And he finished ahead of Albon as well in the championship, you know. So, again, you know, Albon in a Red Bull, supposed to get better results and everything. So, really looking forward to, you know, even though I'm not a Ferrari fan as such, you know, really looking forward to seeing what, what Carlito does in a Ferrari next year, you know, is he going to really push Leclerc, you know, um, the whole idea about Ferrari really pulling it, putting its eggs into the Leclerc basket and is, is science just going to be the foil or the, the number two driver, but I really want to see science put in some good performances and, um, really, uh, you know, push Leclerc for his money. So, and I think, you know, it's going to be a spicy little lineup that next year between the two, no pun on, of course, Carlos Chili science there, <laughs> but, um, it'll be really exciting to see, uh, that's pretty much it, you know, for the for the main results. So as I said, you know, Russell finished uh, down the race in 15th in the end. Haas brought up the rear. You know, it was a farewell race for Kevin Magnussen. Did some burnouts afterwards. Um, Mick Schumacher did FP1 for those guys, and he was quite solid too. So, you know, pretty much that's, that's the race. You know, there was nothing really memorable about it apart from, you know, afterwards when you had all the the farewell radio messages, the, um, you know, emotion that came through, the thank yous, the goodbyes and everything, so, you know, it's pretty much, yeah, that's it, you know, the end of an un- end of the another year, and even though we're carrying over the same cars into next year, um, which, you know, for Red Bull could be an advantage because they do start the seasons quite slowly, um, and they've ended this season on a winning note, I think, um, you know, with the new lineups and everything, it should be quite exciting. So yeah, that that's pretty much that. Um, as far as the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is concerned, um, but I was going to wrap up some loose ends actually. Just some news stories that you know in in and around the last week, and of course the big one that's still kind of pending. Of course, um, since let's say a couple of weeks ago, Sakir Grand Prix was the decision on the Red Bull seat, and that's supposedly to be made this week. Ted Kravitz, you know, was quoted in his notebook for Sky F1 after the race as having said that um, Christian Horner and Helmut Marco have pretty much convinced uh, Dietrich Mateschitz to change his mind for the lineup for next year and get Sergio Perez in. Um, If that does end up happening, then that'll be, you know, probably one of the stories of the year that, you know, Perez, here he is sitting, you know, facing the possibility of not driving next year, given the fact that he's a race winner. But, you know, now Red Bull might have saved the day with this. And, you know, what that would mean as a result for Albon is that they would um, put him back to just a test driver, reserve driver role with the team because Alpha Tauri this week have announced already that Yuki Tsunoda will drive the other car next year next to Pierre Gasly. So Danny Fiat is out. Um, and Sonoda, of course, a couple of race wins in F2 this year, his uh, maiden season in F2, so jumping straight into F1 next year, and of course a Honda um, 
young driver as well, so they're keen for some representation, even though it'll be Honda's final year next year as a manufacturer in Formula One. So, yeah, nothing yet. I haven't heard any confirmation yet from Red Bull. You know, as always, I've got the Twitter feed open in case, you know, something does get confirmed in this podcast, but I'm sure it'll come a bit later on and, um, you know, it'd be it'd be amazing, you know, and Again, for Red Bull to hire someone outside, you know, externally is is going to be big news as well. But you know, they need that results. They need that result. Uh, they need those results next to Verstappen, um, especially if they want to go for the constructors' championship. They want to, um, you know, make sure they're in the position to uh, make some bold strategy calls against Mercedes. So. In that instance, I think, you know, he's the perfect fit and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when the decision's made, we can talk about it then. But yeah, Sergio has done everything he can to deserve the drive, a top drive for next year. And um, it'd be nice, some handy cash there for Red Bull as well, I'm sure, next year if um, they do bring on Checo into that role. And it was interesting, actually. I don't know where I read this stat, but um, apparently if you combine the points of, uh, you know, Sergio Perez's points and Max Verstappen's points this year, they would still lose the Constructors' Championship to Mercedes, and, you know, they w- it still wouldn't, you know, combine their points would still not be, um, they wouldn't match Lewis Hamilton's individual points tally for this season, so... I guess, you know, you think about the car limitations as well. Red Bull have had this season and, of course, uh, <laughs> Perez as well, missing a couple of races with a positive COVID test earlier in the year too. And Perez, in that instance, you know, more to be said about him because he finished fourth in the Drivers' Championship. So, you know, that'll be an interesting one to follow over the week. We had the Young Driver Test, of course, as well in Abu Dhabi after the race. And, you know, I put inverted commas around Young Driver Test because we had one Fernando Alonso get in the car um, this year's Renault and was able to drive. No surprise that he was fastest in that session as well, um, ahead of Nick de Vries and Stoffel van Dorn jumping in for Mercedes, of course. They're the two Formula E drivers. But then behind them, and Robert Kubitzer, of course, Alfa Romeo's test driver, you had the host of Young Driver. So, you know, Yuki Tsunoda getting a taste of the Alpha Tauri. Again, Yuri Vips um, getting into the Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. I don't know why I said that. It was just, you know, I'm looking at the results sheet. Uh, Antonio Fioco, again, getting a go in the Ferrari. Robert Schwartzman as well, getting a go in the Ferrari. Callum Eilat, um, who we've heard is going to be Ferrari's test driver next year. He's not going to do it in the second season of F2. He was driving for Alfa Romeo. Guan Yu Zhou, Renault's uh, young driver as well. And then, of course, the likes of Jack Aitken, Roy Nassani in the Williams, Mick Schumacher getting a go in the Haas car. Marino Sato, another Japanese driver there for Alpha Tauri, and Sebastian Buemi, who um, is Red Bull's test driver. So we didn't see McLaren do it, of course, and there was a whole controversy about this leading up to the Abu Dhabi race because um, the FIA had made dispensation for Alonso to race. You know, they were like, you know, that's unfair that he, you know, someone of his caliber two-time world champion even though he's been out of the sport for two seasons is able to do this test if you know and then McLaren wanted um or sorry Ferrari wanted to be able to put science in the car racing point wanted to be able to put Vettel in their car but that wasn't allowed so those guys didn't actually come and do the test so that's that and with only you know three days of testing next year 
even though, you know, the cars are going to be carried over from this year, for the guys who are making their, you know, switching teams or making their debuts and everything, it's um, a bit bit harsh, you know, so they might be on the back foot, but who knows, we might see them come out and uh, get straight into it. Uh, we also had news before the race, sorry, about McLaren selling a 15% stake to this investment firm from the US, MSP Sports. So again, you know, the future looking bright for McLaren now that they've secured P3, they're going to get extra funding as a result of that too. And just the fact, you know, like a few years ago when we were just coming out of the, uh, or going into the, the dark days of the Honda partnership and everything, and, you know, when Ron Dennis was still firmly in command of that organisation, how bare the car looked as far as sponsorship was concerned. You know, they lost so many of their key sponsors in that time. You know, we knew Vodafone was leaving at the end of 2013, but, you know, the likes of Mobile and Hugo Boss and other partners that have been with that team for, for you know, right throughout the 2000s and even going back into the 90s and everything, it was really disappointing to see. But, you know, Zach Brown, the marketing man, since he's come on board, he's been able to get all these sponsors back, you know, not you know, in the title sponsorship capacity, but still they've got that car full, they've got that car looking really pretty and, you know, next year, you know, how it's just getting me excited already that, you know, we're going to have a Mercedes engine in the back of the car, not going to be expecting the greatest straight away, you know, of course they've got to incorporate that engine, you know, it might be a bit difficult, but you know, the future's looking pretty good for those guys. And, um, yeah, with a bit of extra funding, it's um, going to be really good for them. And finally, two more bits. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say finally, that's it. But, no, there's a couple more bits. A um, bit of sad news, and hopefully we get some good news out of this as well. So Frank Williams admitted to hospital um, last night. He's in a stable, conditions though, stable condition, though, but just giving best wishes, sending regards to the Williams family and hope he's okay. Of course, Williams in the news this year with, you know, having um, ended their direct involvement, the Williams family, with Formula One. So, you know, the team will move on into the future in good hands with Doralton Capital. The Williams name will live on in F1 and hopefully the, the Williams family can enjoy, you know, the future, you know, without having to worry about the stresses and the day-to-day stuff with Formula One, so good on them, and yeah, best wishes to Sir Frank and the family, hope he is okay, and finally, we had Sao Paulo come out and extend their contract with F1 as the host venue of the Brazilian Grand Prix till 2025, so all that noise about um, the, and the construction controversy about the Rio Grand Prix or the Grand Prix in Brazil moving to Rio, you know, the deforestation controversy and everything, you know, that's um, not going to happen now. And we've got uh, Sao Paulo staying on for another few years and, um, you know, say what people wish about Sao Paulo. It's a, it's a great venue, you know, even though the things surrounding it and everything is, um, what do you call it, uh, a bit terrible you know security issues that they have and everything but otherwise it is a great race every time we go to Brazil and sometimes the weather as well uh, sorry the weather as well does you know make things exciting so yeah that's pretty much it then for for the loose ends uh, this week 
quick break to check the old Twitter feed, make sure they haven't made a driver announcement um, uh, while I've been recording, but no, it's all good. Um, and finishing off for this week, I was just going to talk a bit of supercars because there has been quite a bit of movement and some news um, in the last month or a couple of months since the season ended at Bathurst, of course. So, you know, some of the more recent stuff that has come out, there's been controversy with the, the broadcast um, arrangements and the, the commentary team and everything with Mark Larkham having been dropped, you know, from the, the lineup and everything. And just, you know, the fan support that has come out and industry support as well for Larko. It's been, you know, really, really good. And the man himself overwhelmed. Um, but, you know, supercars could yet, you know, backflip on this and could reinstate Larko. You know, their uh, justification for dropping him was that they think that the commentary is too technical. You know, he's, you know, too technical for the for the casual viewer. But let's speak quite honestly here. Anyone who watches supercars or anyone who knows who watches a supercar championship, has any of them ever said that their commentary is too technical? I mean, I would love to hear from someone who does think that because you know I've been watching it for years and when even when I first started watching it you know and was getting into the racing into the nitty-gritty of it and all um never for a second did I think what Larko was doing or you know Neil Crompton or any of those guys and for a matter of fact were too technical you know we like that information we want to understand more about you know the cars and everything and Larko is such a great guy with the way he delivers his um spiel is that you know he really brings it down to earth he always makes it funny as well makes it relatable to real world situations so why supercars think that he is you know a hindrance to their commentary is beyond me it's very just it's it just yeah you know what do they want do they want more fluff in there you know it's that's not going to work you know motorsport it's not WWE wrestling for example and you know you look at any any category in the world you've always got your pit lane experts and everything you know you look at Sky F1 with Ted Kravitz and all that and you got people like that all over the world in other categories Simon Crafar there in MotoGP um, does a great job as well even though he's not a bona fide commentator but he's gotten better over the years and you know just just yeah just frustrated me when that came out and you know, reflecting what everyone else thought as well. They were frustrated equally with that. And um, hopefully it will be resolved if they can put him back on the team. It would be really good to see. Otherwise, other movements, you know, we had driver driver changes and everything as well. So we got the confirmation overnight that David Reynolds would be leaving Erebus only one year into his uh, landmark 10-year deal with the team. So that's very disappointing, given that, you know, Erebus had a pretty shocking year this year. Off the back of, you know, 2019 was supposed to be, you know, the, the year they turned it around or whatever. They kind of plateaued last year, and then this year it just got even worse. Um, Reynolds possibly going to Kelly Racing, or most likely going to Kelly Racing, having raced there in the past as well. It's already confirmed that his engineer, Alistair McVean, is moving over there so you know why wouldn't um Reynolds follow his engineer over there so he'll be replacing Rick Kelly of course in the number 15 car 
Um, of course, Rally Kelly announcing that he would be stepping back from full-time driving for next season. We also found out about the Cool Drive, the new Cool Drive team, the single car operation, Blanchard Racing Team uh, run here out of Box Hill. But they'll be, I think, coming out of the... Tickford Garage for next year, and Tim Slade will be steering that car, so Slade back into full-time racing, um, and with with the BRT or Cool Drive car coming out of the Tickford Garage, it could leave Lee Holdsworth with um, without a drive for next year, you know, because he's doesn't carry much sponsorship with him. You've got Truck Assist, of course, who was sponsoring him this year. They're actually... Uh, you know, backing Jack LeBrock, you know, that's his personal sponsor that came through. So LeBrock, of course, driving super cheap auto car this year, he will have truck assist on his car next year. You have Cameron Waters, who's an automatic lock for the team with Monster Energy. Um, James Courtney, his uh, Boost Mobile car is, of course, backed by Peter Adderton. They own the wreck, but they use um, the Tickford facilities and the Tickford garage. So they could easily fill that fourth spot there with the Slade cool drive car. So, you know, that would be really sad if Holdsworth is out of a gig for next year and everything. But, um, you know, that's that's the way things are moving with supercars at the moment. It's just, I don't know, a lot of just really negative and disappointing things happening in supercars land at the moment. You know, they were, Tickford were supposedly chasing a fourth wreck, you know, and supercars currently have two on the shelf at the moment. But, you know, they haven't really moved anywhere with that request and everything and you know, you look at the other seats that are around, you got one remaining at Techno because we had um, Fabian Coulthard confirm moving over to Team Sydney to drive the local Legends car. They also confirmed the return of Dr. Jeffrey Slater, of course, who was um, team manager there a couple of years ago and was engineer Shane Van Gisbergen when they were there too. So those guys have a bit of history and Slater, of course, he was off to do, um, he was uh engineering over an IMSA for BMW GTLM team there and actually you know when Mostert was there for uh Daytona last year or this year sorry it feels like last year but yeah 24 hours of Daytona this year he was um the engineer to help them win that particular race and then you know you got the next seat next to the other seat next to him there which was Chris Pither this year in the Coke car, that hasn't been confirmed yet whether he'll stay or if they're going to chase another driver. Erebus, of course, now with Reynolds gone, have a seat to fill. It's likely Brody Kostecki will jump in there next to Will Brown. And, of course, you know, Kelly Racing haven't confirmed um, who's going to be in the number 15 car, and that could be David Reynolds at this stage. So, yeah, you know, the grid's pretty much settled there for supercars for next year. You know, you know who the big names are going to be, where they're going to be and everything. Um, but just, I think the end of the season kind of left, you know, as much as it was a great year, you know, we got the racing happening. We were able to, you know, the Victorian teams had to stay away from home for all that time as well. I just think a lot of these administrative decisions that we've seen and this administrative news that has been coming out has been a bit disappointing. Um, just left a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth, of course. And, you know, with Penske, leaving as well, given that, you know, Penske had their reasons, you know, their frustrations with supercars as well, so I just think, you know, we'll just have to wait till we get into the racing next year, you know, we got the confirmation of the formats for next year as well for the events, you know, so we're going to be 
having the same sprint race formats, three races across the weekend again, you know, except for a couple of races, including the Enduros, um, the Mount Panorama 500, the um, Gold Coast 500 as well, which will be the new season-ending race there, single-car race on the Gold Coast, even though we're used to the endurance races. But um, other than that, I think, you know, we just have to let it go for this off season come back next year and um see what what happens you know and hopefully we get some good news about Larco as well because I don't think it'll be the same without Larco in the in the pit lane without his whiteboard you know the Hino hub as well and also the fact that they haven't confirmed um or they haven't given Neil Com- Neil Crompton a uh a contract yet either so that's another thing that doesn't sit very well with me but anyway Hopefully that's all resolved for for next season, and that's pretty much it. So, apart from that, I'm not sure, or I'm pretty sure I will do some kind of season review next year. Uh, not next year, next week, early on in the week. You know, do a do something possibly just kind of off the cuff. You know, not really scripted or anything. Just you know, share some thoughts on the year, throw about a few results around and everything for for the F1. Um, and then that'll be it for the year, you know, take a break until we get back into it next year. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, at that point where some rest is, is required and everything, you know, just from everything in general, you know, and I'm glad I'm going away and everything. I'll have the cricket to keep me company, even though I won't be, um, what do you call it? Not too invested in it as much anymore, but, um, yeah, you know, I might be doing, uh, test matches, not doing them but watching him as I am at the moment in the background Australia and India at the Adelaide Oval and while I'm over in Adelaide over New Year's go see some big bash matches so that's that's going to be really exciting but anyway thanks guys for tuning in as always you know you can find us on Twitter at hit the apex media and I will hopefully be back next week and do a little bit of a review for you guys thanks for tuning in and have a good one